Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. We begin a new series this week out of the book of First Timothy as Pastor Paul explores the Apostle Paul sharing a legacy of next generation faith. Let's listen in as he teaches. Let's see here. Next generation faith, First Timothy 1, 1 and 2. That's me. That's you. That's you too. It's both of us. Yeah. Pastor Ryan's here with me because uh, when I think about First Timothy, when I think about Paul's ministry, oops, that was the wrong number. Uh, let's see. I've got to focus for just that long. When I think about Paul's ministry with Timothy, when I think about this idea of, of generational faith, Pastor Ryan is, is one of the people that I, I think of when I think of people who are investing in others for a legacy of faith, people who are, are just attentive to, to what God is doing in the lives of other leaders and, and people who, who he can help as they come along. In, in the path of following what God has, has called them to do. And so I've invited Pastor Ryan to be a part of this sermon series. And uh, he, so he has, he has what you've always wanted. He has uh, unlimited right and, and freedom to interrupt me at any time and say, wait a minute. <laughs> so if you want to text him, you know, like uh, if you want to. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, before I get into 1 Timothy, and if you'd like to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, I'm just looking at the first two verses, pretty simple, simple passage this morning. If, if, you are, uh, if you are interested in being a part of a specific led-by-your-pastor prayer time on a weekly basis, uh, I do that. Every Thursday morning at 6 a.m., I pray uh, on Zoom with anybody who wants to. And I'm starting that up again. I had taken kind of the summer off. And so during, during these, or during, well, starting now. And then Thursday. And so Thursdays at 6 a.m., I pray with anybody who wants to. If you would like to receive the link to get that uh, Zoom meeting, I put it on Facebook, I email it out, and I send it uh, to our prayer text list. So if you want to be a part of our prayer text list, I think we have information about how to be a part of that. You text prayer to the number. I don't know if I have the number or not. We'll get the number to you. You can follow us on Facebook too, uh, First Naz Lewiston, and that's an easy way to get that information. 6 a.m. Thursday mornings. It's about a half an hour. You don't have to turn on your camera, so you don't have to be, you know, all put together. Uh, you can you can look, you know. I don't. I'll just be honest with you. It's not smell a vision, right? Like I don't I don't shower beforehand. There's the link, uh, or the the numbers. Text prayer to. 208-400-5566, and we'll get you, get you uh, receiving those texts. I have a couple of other housekeeping things. First, uh, women who are headed to women's retreat, you have a letter with information for you uh, hidden somewhere in the foyer. It's and on so, the table at the Welcome Center. Well, that's less fun. Well, it's not a scavenger hunt. <laughs> But wouldn't it have been funny? <laughs> okay. It's not on the table in the foyer by the welcome center. Hidden somewhere in the foyer is a letter for you. So 
women, if you're headed to the women's retreat next weekend, make sure you grab that. I don't think it's too late to sign up for the women's retreat, so if you're not signed up, ladies, uh, they'd love to have you. And then we are, we're trying something new, because why not try something new? And it has to do with folks who are new. If, if uh, you have just been attending First Naz for a little while, or if this is your first Sunday, uh, we want to invite you to a meal next Sunday after church, and we, we're calling it just a, what are we calling it? A welcome meal. A welcome to First Naz. And so uh, it's, uh, it'll just be after church. We'll just talk a little bit about who we think we are as a church, and we'll have a meal, and it'll be a great opportunity to ask questions about the church if you have any questions, and we'd love to have you join us for, for that meal next Sunday after church. We're going to plan on doing that on a monthly basis, so uh, every, third Wednesday, or every third Sunday we're, we'll plan on doing that of the month. So, here we go, into 1 Timothy. I'm, in, I'm, I'm starting a sermon series on, on the book of 1 Timothy, and this is, this is the first of two letters that we have from, from the Apostle Paul to a man named Timothy, who, who was really, he was his, he was, Timothy was Paul's disciple in, in the New Testament. It's an interesting message because it's this very clear and pointed message from a mentor to a protege, to somebody who is coming along in the faith behind behind. Paul. And, you know, there's no evidence to suggest that Timothy was like a shrinking violet. He, he is a pretty bold and fiery guy. Uh, he gets sent into some of the hardest situations in the New Testament. Like Paul, Paul will be detained or can't go somewhere because everybody wants to stone him there. And Paul will say, hey, Timothy, why don't you head over there? And so Timothy is, he's not, he's not a wimp, right? But it does appear as though, and from Paul's language, it, it's pretty clear that Timothy was younger than Paul. He was, he was uh, younger in years, and we know that he didn't have as many years in the faith as Paul. And so he is, he is just kind of coming along. And so here in these letters, First and Second Timothy, we get this incredible message, this incredible treasure trove of wisdom from a, a seasoned leader in the church. And Paul, like, kind of the most important Christ follower in the history of Christ followers. So like the, the seasoned, really important leader in the church writing to someone he wanted to carry on his legacy and really saw him, uh, Timothy, as following in his footsteps. And so that, that kind of main idea behind Timothy, I don't want to lose that as we got, dig into 1 Timothy because reading the New Testament come, becomes kind of weird and we get like so like sucked into the minutia that sometimes we lose sight of, of what's actually happening. So I just, from the get-go, I never want to lose sight of this reality that this is a letter from someone who was further along in the faith talking to somebody he saw following in his footsteps. And before we get into the background of the letter and, and the passage that I'm going to look at today, I, I want to talk to Ryan because Ryan, not only has he had great experience leading other believers, and, and Pastor Ryan is like, uh, on our northwest district of the Church of the Nazarene, when, when we decided as leadership that we weren't doing a good job at helping younger pastors or pastors who are studying to, to become 
uh, leaders in the church, we weren't doing a good job of mentoring them. The person that we went to was Ryan. The, our district board of ordained ministries uh, like came to Ryan and said, what are you doing? Because you have lots of our, our ministers in training in this process are, are calling you their mentor in this process. And, and how, how are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and can we, can we kind of systematize what you're doing and, and learn from you? And so Ryan has, has helped in that process. And, uh, but then Ryan also has good experience of, of important mentors in his own life. So I wanted to just ask, like, would you just tell a little bit about your experience of having an important mentor in your life, what, what that's looked like, how has it impacted you? Um, I think before I ever really figured out that my dad was one of my mentors, because, you know, when you're young, your parents are the dumbest people on the planet, right? Uh, so for the longest time, I didn't realize my dad was actually mentoring me. Uh, but once I got to college, I really felt like I had two professors who uh, would take time and, and invest in you, and they would say, I, I see something different in you than I see in other students, uh, and they would begin a relationship, a, a little different relationship uh, of guidance towards something bigger than you thought you could do. Um, so I had two professors at Washington State University that kind of began my journey of actually listening to people in the area that I was in and gleaning from them, but having the experience of it's not just one-sided. Uh, they were very inclusive of what my thoughts and opinions were as well because they didn't have all the answers for me. They just wanted to help me along the way. Uh, so that was the first journey of relationship I had with mentorship, uh, was just uh, trying to figure out life. Now, for, for me, that meant that I ended up leaving Washington State University, and uh, I mean, a semester before I was going to graduate, uh, to do vocal performance and uh, sing all over the world, because those mentors who were helping me to learn how to sing better and how to, how to you know, get that life going... Uh, they kept saying, you know, I, I see this in you, I see some good stuff in you, but the joy is not there. There's something different, you know, and I had to say, you know, well, God's been calling me to ministry for a long time, and this is apparently not it. So they kind of helped shape that. Uh, then when I got into ministry, um, my primary mentor, that is still my mentor today, has been my mentor for 15 years, almost 16 years now. Uh, one of the first pastors I worked under, uh, I had had worked in a church previous to working in his church, and I just filled the spot. I, I led music, and, uh, you know, the pastor that was there was a good pastor, but he did not, was not looking into me to say, what, what's the next step of your journey? Um, I filled a role for his staff, and that was what he saw me as. Uh, and, and we did that for about five years, and then moved to this church in Yakima called New Hope with uh, a man named Bob Russell. And uh, he began this 16-year journey with me that it, it won't end. Uh, we will be sharing this relationship until either he or I meet Jesus first. Uh, and it's not a race, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you. He, he is uh, about the age of my dad. Uh, so over these years, he has just helped shape ministry. He has pushed me. Um, he is one of the people who said... Uh, what you're doing in music is great. What you're doing in youth ministry is great, but it's pretty clear that God has called you to preach. Uh, so I think you really need to have the opportunity to do that. So next Sunday, you're going to preach. 
Have you ever had that happen to you before? Uh, sometimes mentors, they give you the opportunity uh, to just live into what God has called you to do. Yeah. Uh, we, we see that here in, in Timothy, when Paul is just sending him into the fire in, <laughs> right. in many circumstances. So uh, mentorship and, and the legacy, the legacy that Bob has planted into me is, uh, as Pastor Paul has said, is to uh, look into the lives of those who are in the church, uh, lay people who may not even understand that God is calling them to something, and to come alongside them and help them through that journey. And sometimes that journey is quick, and sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, some people, uh, one of my uh, favorite MITs, um, is now a pastor in Dayton, Washington. Do any of you know where Dayton, Washington is? Dayton, Washington is a population of about 2,000 people. And this guy, six years ago, uh, worked for a, a very large company in California, earning well over six figures. And in six years' time, experienced a call to ministry, um, quit his six-figure-plus job, and is now pastoring in oops, Dayton, Washington, and making not six figures. Really? Really. <laughs> and he's this close to being ordained. He's fulfilled all of his education requirements. It's been one of my great parts of my journey to just walk alongside him and his wife and his family. And uh, to see things like that and to see development and faith passed on and to see uh, the legacy of faith continue in people is the legacy that Bob, Pastor Bob, my pastor, um, has put into me. And uh, once you catch a hold of it, it's hard to let go, hmm. to, to just give up. You don't want to give up on that faith that's being passed into the right. next generation and right. uh, trying to fill all those, those spots, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I think about my own, my own journey, I think back to being a high school student here and... Uh, Late, late nights coming into this building, uh, I, was, I was the sound guy back in those days. And so late Saturday night, usually after I had hung out with friends or done whatever I was doing for fun on Saturday night, I would come here and I would prep the platform with mics and cables and monitors, make sure everything was ready. And often, often in those late nights, there was one other person in the building. And uh, that would be Steve Thomas, who is our youth pastor, you know, getting ready for whatever, whatever crazy thing he had planned the next, the next day. And uh, I remember, not just on those occasions, but lots of occasions, long conversations with Steve about life and, and Steve, some hard conversations with Steve. And he, he, you know, his fingerprints are all over, all over me to this day. And, and through my life, lots of people that have have helped me along the journey uh, that, that I can still call today for, for wisdom. And, 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 you know, mentorship, I don't think, happens only in that, uh, you know, older to younger situation. We have, we have a staff here on, at First NAS that, uh, technically speaking, I'm the senior pastor. I, I really see us as, as equals and, and, by God's grace, we have such capable pastors like Ryan and, and Pastor Becca. Pastor Becca, you know, 10 years younger than me, I gained so much wisdom from her and so grateful. That makes her 20 years younger than me. <laughs> I, I am so grateful for, uh, for her wisdom. I am too. Uh, she brings a, a perspective mm -hmm. 
that helps shape us. Yeah, yeah, and and speaks up, you know, like in frustrating ways that need to be spoken, and uh, we we just love her and appreciate her. She's on vacation this week, so uh, hopefully not even not even listening this morning. She shouldn't be. She no. shouldn't be. She was told not to. So, um, well, I. I put on Facebook this morning uh, just the question asking you, who, who is it that has invested in your life? And who, who has put uh, time and, and energy in, into you to shape you and make you who you are? I'd be really curious to, to hear, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not super offended if you're looking at your phone a little bit uh, during this time, if you want to do it now. But if you want to do that later, get on and, and sh- share with us who, who are the people who have invested in you over over your Christian experience, love to hear a story or or just even a name if you want to post that, because we all we all have those people we've looked up to. I, I have authors who have mentored me. I, I am shaped by people I've never met whose whose wisdom has has poured into me in ways. And I want to come back and and consider this idea of that generational legacy in in the Christian tradition because I I really. It's, it's not just good relationship, and it's not just good church strategy, right? It, it is good relationship, and it is good church strategy. It is what Christians are called to do. But I really believe this is the pattern that is laid out for us in the New Testament, in the church. Jesus himself invests in the next generation. He has these, these men that he comes uh, calls to follow him. He's got a crowd of women around him too that aren't mentioned as much, but there's women right there with Jesus all the time in his ministry who are receiving incredible investment. And once the New Testament church begins to explode, we see men and women taking positions of leadership that were the very same people that Jesus had invested in for three years of his, his public ministry. And then we see it in Paul here too, and not just with Timothy, but with other leaders as well. And so before we talk too much about, about Paul's legacy and, and that, I want to just kind of take a step back, and I want to get us to the point of Paul writing a letter to Timothy. What, what has happened up to this point? And, you know, what we know is pretty limited, but, but here's what we know. We, we know uh, that Paul talks about himself in a very specific way as he begins, and he talks about Timothy in a very specific way. So let's look at these first couple of verses of Timothy, uh, Timothy 1, verses 1 and 2. We read this. It says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. So in this passage, we get that brief snippet of how Paul sees himself. He says, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And I'm, I'm not going to dig too much into what Paul believes about himself, but there's a key phrase there that requires a little bit of attention because it's, just, it's a biblical word. It's just not a word that we use frequently in everyday language. It's the word apostle. What does Paul mean when he calls himself an apostle? And, and I, I think that Paul's understanding of, of an apostle is this idea of someone who's called by God. Very clearly there, there is in Scripture this idea that leaders in the church, apostles, are called by God. They're, they're given this office 
by God, and Paul talks about that in his own, in his own self-identity, called, uh, and by the command of Jesus, I am, I am an apostle. But an apostle then has authority for, for leading the church, uh, for, for forming new congregations, for giving vision and direction to, to other believers, and, and then providing leadership support. And so I, I think the ministry of apostleship is kind of like kingdom of heaven entrepreneurship. You know, Paul was like an entrepreneur for, for the message of Christianity in the first century. Paul traveled around far and wide, as far as he could in the known world, spreading the message about Jesus, starting churches, appointing leaders, and then giving support to the churches that he started. He, he didn't stay in, in all of the places where he started churches for long. He, he stayed in some longer than others, he, but he provided support. He wrote letters, which are a huge key for, for the early church and understanding what's, what's right and wrong and giving direction. And he appointed leaders. He, he sent Timothy to, to Corinth at one point. He sent Timothy to Ephesus at another point. And this is, this is an important part of Paul's apostolic role uh, to, to help give guidance and leadership to, to churches. Ryan, what other thoughts about apostleship or the, the idea of Paul and his apostle do we need to... I think, you know, sometimes when we think about Paul or the other apostles that were clearly chosen by Jesus... Uh, we think that they're it, we're, they're, they're the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think, too, though, in the New Testament, the, the New Testament uh, gives us a list of some uh, roles within the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers uh, are the main list. And I think we find a lot of them within the church, and they just kind of stay in the church. A lot of us, are we have shepherds that are pastors, and we have teachers, maybe they're board members or they're Sunday school teachers or, or Bible study teachers or small group teachers within the church. But I look at the apostle role as uh, a maybe a lighter definition of apostle as a sent one, one who is sent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at that role within the church and and see the need of those from our local congregation to be sent out into the community uh, to provide leadership within the community, to provide to be uh, a Christian voice on a school board or a city council meeting or whatever. Uh, we were talking, and, and uh, Jason Clark sitting right there uh, is working and doing some stuff within the community at Tri-State and just getting some Christians together uh, and just kind of leading the way with a group of people. And, and I see that as just something that is so needed, man, to have um, apostles out there mm-hmm. leading the way, uh, bringing you know, some evangelism too, but really just providing uh, mentorship and structure for other Christians within the community, or to just take it, being a, a step ahead of people within the community yeah. in those roles where, where voices could be heard. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm cautious about using the title apostle for someone. There's there's some movements in the church currently that do that, and it it seems just a little strange in some yeah. ways, I guess. Uh, but I but I believe deeply in this gifting of apostleship. This idea that that God has, has gifted people for being spiritual entrepreneurs, being, being folks who are, who are out there. And so Paul, Paul encountered Timothy in his work of, of kingdom of heaven entrepreneurship. He was, he was one of the early believers. He wasn't one of Jesus's disciples, but he found Jesus very shortly after Jesus's ministry. And Jesus found him 
Uh, and, and in the book of Acts, we read Paul's, Paul's story. He, he, was, he was mentored by a man named Barnabas, and, and, and Barnabas took Paul into the group of Christians in the city of Antioch, and, and it was there in the city of Antioch that the, the church came around Barnabas and Paul and a few other leaders in the church, and they said, we, we're ready to send this message out. <laughs> we're ready to, to head for the, for the border land, to, to get the message of Jesus out as far as we can. And so in, in Acts chapter uh, 13, I, I believe it's 13, uh, the church in Antioch gathers around these leaders, Barnabas and Paul, and they, they pray for them, and then they send them on a missionary trip. And they're, they're just sent, and maybe there was some discussion about where they were supposed to go, but they, they just went. And they went, they started in the island of Cyprus, which is interesting as a church that has partners in ministry in the island of Cyprus. And then they went into what is modern-day Turkey, and they spent most of their time in, in that little stretch on that first missionary journey. And, and their journey took them uh, to, to the city of Iconium. And, and the city of Iconium showed hospitality to Paul the way that he received hospitality in a lot of places. Uh, we read the, the story in Acts chapter 14, verses 5 and 7. It says, Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. Uh, you know, Good, the kind of hospitality missionaries should expect, I guess. Uh, Paul, Paul and his cohort uh, experienced that. When the apostles learned of it, they fled the region of Lyco uh, Lyconia to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. Now this is significant because we're going to learn in just a little bit that Timothy is from the town of Derbe. Timothy grew up there. And Timothy isn't mentioned in this first missionary journey, but in, in Acts chapter 14, it does mention that many disciples were made in the town of Derby. And so it's, you know, it's plausible to believe that it was during that preaching when Paul was in Derby preaching the good news that one of these many disciples that, that were made was Timothy. And so Paul and, and the cohort, they return back to Antioch, and then uh, they say, well, you're not done, and they send them out again. And so they, they sent them out again, and there was a second missionary trip that, that took a little bit bigger path around the eastern Mediterranean Sea. And in this missionary journey is when we encounter Timothy. And Timothy shows up, the first, first mention of his name in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 16, and I'll, I'll read the passage. You want to read this one? Sure. You got this one, Acts 16, uh, 1 through 3. It says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted, to have, wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Very good. So Timothy, Timothy stayed with Paul then the rest of that missionary journey. There's like a little separation when, again, Paul is in danger of being stoned, this time in Berea. And so he, he leaves, and, and it says that he leaves uh, Timothy and Silas there. And, and then they, uh, Timothy and Silas um, join, join Paul again in, in, 
well, probably in Corinth. When the dust settles from all of that, they find each other in the, in the city of Corinth. And, and Acts tells us that they stayed in Corinth for two and a half years. And, and they were helping the church, the church get established in, in Corinth. And, and it's during that time that historically the church has understood that the letters, the, kind of the first letters we have from, from Paul in Scripture, the earliest letters were written, and those are First and Second Thessalonians. And First and Second Thessalonians are written by Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So, so early on, this is probably pretty early on in, in Timothy's experience with, with Paul, Already, Paul's writing these letters, and he's giving Timothy credit as a co-author of this letter, these letters to the church in Thessalonica. And then Paul takes a third missionary journey on which uh, he spent two years and three months in Ephesus, and we have every reason to believe that, that Timothy was with Paul, like kind of right by his side through, through the majority of this. And that's significant, that two years and three month period in Ephesus is maybe significant because when, when Paul wrote the letter of 1 Timothy, we understand that Timothy was in Ephesus. And so when we get into some of the issues that are happening in the church of Ephesus, because there are some weird things happening in, in the church that Timothy is leading, we might look back on, on that part of the book of Acts and, and try to just kind of gather a little bit of evidence about like what exactly is this weirdness in the church that Timothy is leading. And, and so uh, we, uh, we can paste together a little bit more of Paul and Timothy's relationship through Paul's letters to like the book of Acts, you know, it's kind of assumed that Timothy is there uh, with with Paul the vast majority of the time, but he's not always explicitly mentioned, and we don't have like a super clear picture of every, every movement that Timothy makes with Paul or away from Paul. And so we kind of, we can paste together a little bit more of, of what happened with Timothy and Paul through Paul's letters. Uh, we know that Timothy is, is listed as the co-author of 2 Corinthians, uh, he's listed as the co-author of Philippians, which is a letter from pretty late in, in Paul's life, and then uh, Colossians, and uh, first and second Thessalonians. Is he in Philemon as well? Thank you, I, I didn't have that one. Uh, so Paul, Paul sends greetings to the church in Rome uh, from Timothy in Romans chapter 16. So when Paul wrote the letter to, to the church in Rome, Timothy was right there saying, hey, send, tell, tell my friends there, hey, what's up? And, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it, it sounds like Timothy is the one who might be taking that particular letter to Corinth. Uh, Paul writes some interesting words I'll read for you in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 10 through 11. It says, when Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. I love that. <laughs> this is like total big brother, like looking out for little brother, isn't it? I love that protectionism. Don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing when he returns to me. I expect him to come with the other believers. So, I mean, this is like Paul, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, can you just be nice? This is, my, this is my disciple here. Can you just be nice to him, please? 
Come on, guys. And so undoubtedly, though, Paul and Timothy had so many adventures that you know, we, we are not privy to because scripture is limited in what it communicates. We, we just don't, we don't know. In fact, I kind of have this image that like reading First and Second Timothy in a vacuum would be like, it'd be like sitting on a bus next to somebody for like a longish ride or like, you know, when it takes a long time for the door to close in the airport and for them to say, turn off cell phones. And you sit down next to somebody in the, in the plane and they're just like talking away to their best friend. On the phone. On the phone. Yeah, yeah when they, they still have their phone on and they're just like... And everyone else gets to hear their conversation. And you get like a pretty good picture of yeah. what's going on in their lives. You know, you're, you find out about their infected toe and you like hear about... All sorts of things. You never know <laughs> what you might hear. These, these are, and then you can, you know, and then I start to tell myself other stories, you know, the background of all that's happening <laughs> here. This is kind of, this would be like sitting and listening to a one-sided conversation for about a half an hour, right? To read First and Second Timothy straight through. It'd be like, like that's what we get. And, and there is a lifetime of rapport and relationship between Timothy and Paul and, and so it's, this is a reminder, this is my reminder to myself to, to just, you know, hold what I assume and understand about Scripture pretty lightly. The, the amount of what I don't know about Paul and Timothy's relationship way exceeds what I do know about Paul and Timothy's relationship. So I'm going to try to piece together the, the puzzle here, but I'm going to do it with hopefully with humility and, and trying to, to understand. All of this means that the information we do have is super precious to us. And, and so that's why New Testament studies are kind of weird. It's like, you know, it's like we've stolen someone's mail and we're going through it like line by line, like a letter that they've written. And we're, we're like trying to decipher like, what did they mean by by that word that they used right there. It's a little weird, you know, uh, but it's what we do. It's we, And why it's so important to, I mean, some of that, some of the stuff, when you get reading in the New Testament, if you're uh, a new reader to scripture and you have a study Bible that has uh, little scriptures beside uh, or underneath uh, to go back to Corinthians, to go back to Acts, to go to all these places where uh, that tie together where mm -hmm. Timothy is to understand more of the backstory, to understand just a little bit. I mean, we're not getting that a lot, like you said. Right. But to understand some sort of context of where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Paul finished his third missionary journey, and against everybody's urging, he went to Jerusalem. And he, everybody knew, everybody could see the handwriting on the wall. If he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested. And if he was going to be arrested in Jerusalem, he was probably going to get killed because he was preaching the message about Jesus. And, and to the Jewish population in Jerusalem, that was, it was a wrong teaching about God. It was heresy about, about the one true God. And then the problem for Paul was that the message of Christianity is Jesus is Lord. And, and the Roman Empire, who oversaw everything and, and had control over everything, they already had someone that they called Lord. And his name was Caesar. 
And, and the early Christians stole this word gospel, good news, from the Roman Empire. The, the gospel, the good news of the Roman Empire is Caesar is Lord. And the Christians, Christians stole that word. And we said, <laughs> funny Romans, the one true God, the Lord of all creation, and the Lord of you, Romans, is Jesus. And that sounded like curiously like sedition to the Romans. Uh, it sounded dangerous and revolutionary to a, to a group of people who said, you can exist just as long as your religion doesn't conflict with the idea that Caesar is Lord. And, and so a lot of other people groups were, were living just fine, kind of giving lip service to this idea that Caesar is Lord. Christians came along and said, there's just no room for Caesar, sorry. And so Paul goes on to trial with the Romans and, and uh, it doesn't look good for him, but Paul has an ace up his sleeve, which is the fact that Paul was a citizen of the Roman Empire. And, and citizens of the Roman Empire, if they ever got in trouble, they, they had the ability to appeal all the way to Caesar. And so at a moment when, when Paul's trials weren't looking good and it looked like he was probably going to face the death penalty, he said, I'm a Roman citizen and I'm going to appeal to Caesar. And so that forced the hands of the Roman Empire to move Paul from uh, the, the Near East, the Middle East, to Rome to receive a trial. And the book of Acts, the last few chapters of the book of Acts, tell the story of Paul being taken as a prisoner from, from around Jerusalem toward, toward Rome. And it really ends, the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome and the problem with appealing to Caesar is when you appeal to Caesar, you waive your right to a speedy trial. And so you, you are just then waiting until Caesar will, you know, listen to this Jewish guy from Tarsus. And Caesar wasn't in any particular hurry, hurry to hear that. And so the book of Acts ends with, with Paul in Rome, just sort of waiting Waiting, waiting, waiting. And during Paul's wait for, for his trial, he was, he was under house arrest in Rome. And under house arrest, he wrote a handful of important letters, Philippians, uh, Colossians, a handful of others. And, and then it's possible but that it was during that time, or it's possible that Paul's trial went well and he was released and he was an old man in, in Rome. Uh, and it's possible that later on then he wrote this letter to, to Timothy. And, and this letter, it, it comes late in the life of Paul. We believe that, that First and Second Timothy and the letter to Titus are probably the last of Paul's correspondence while he was alive. These are, these are you know, Paul is, is really considering his own legacy at, at that point. And, and Paul is, is really, you know, he's getting into to his later, later years and, and he, as he thinks about his legacy and he writes to Timothy, he writes to Timothy, and maybe you remember in, in 1 Timothy 2, he, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Timothy, you're my true son, my true son in the faith. And Paul didn't have any children of his own. He's never married. And, and so I, he had invested in Timothy to that point where, where he says, my true son in the faith. He really saw Timothy as, as one who will carry on his legacy as, as a child would. Do you know the Greek word used there? No. I had to look it up because I'm a word person. I like it. 
So knowing that Paul didn't have any kids when he says, when scripture says true son, uh, the Greek word used that he used there was genesios, which is true and legitimate, born in wedlock son. So I mean, he's giving him an authoritative title, <laughs> even though he's not. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a figure of speech, but he's adding weight to my true son <laughs> by saying is he's a legitimate son. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you, you think about that. Uh, as I was reading that, I was thinking about Paul, like the most important disciple of Jesus in the history of disciples of Jesus, uh, says to Timothy, uh, you're my true son. You get to carry on the, the family tradition, buddy. Good luck. You know, and, and that can sound like a lot of weight, right? That sounds like, that sounds like a pretty intimidating, intimidating words. And, and honestly, if you just pluck that idea out of 1 Timothy and just say, you know, kind of all on its own without what a, what's around it, you would say, man, Paul is really putting a heavy weight on Timothy. Like, can you imagine everybody in the, in the Christian tradition at the time of Paul's death looked to him as like one of, probably one of the two most important leaders in the history of, of Christianity after Jesus, like in that first generation of, of believers, it'd be between Paul and, and Peter probably. Uh, and so all of that, all of that, like here, Timothy, be careful with it. You know, like th this is a big, big deal. But when I read the rest of verses one and two here that, that I read, I, I begin to get this idea that, that Paul has, you know, maybe he's not trying to load up so much pressure on Timothy as he, he's trying to load up God's blessings on Timothy. Uh, he, he, when he talks about himself, when, when Paul talks about himself, he's, he says, you know, it's not that I chose this office of apostle. He doesn't say, you know, this is the Apostle Paul writing and, and include all of his, his like degrees. And he doesn't say, you know, like, I'm the one who started the church in Corinth. Oh, I think maybe he started in Corinth. I'm the one who started the church in Ephesus. And I'm the one who was, you know, imprisoned here. And I, he does that list for the Corinthians at one point, but he, he, uh, he doesn't do all that. He, he says, an apostle appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and our, God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul wasn't, wasn't talking about all the great things I've done. Paul's saying, God called me to this. Here I am. This is who I am because, because God's done this to me. Uh, Paul does this on a number of occasions uh, throughout. In fact, we're going to read later on in, in uh, 1 Timothy 1 how Paul, Paul talks about, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be an apostle. It's by God's grace and mercy. In fact, I am the last person who deserves to be an apostle. I persecuted the church personally. I don't, this is not something that I have done on my own. This is because God has been so good to me. And then, and then he says uh, to Paul, or to Timothy, he, he, at the end of verse two, he lists his desires for Timothy. 
uh, he, he says this, may, may you, may God. Uh, these, are, these are words of, of blessing. May God, the, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. May God give you grace, mercy, and peace. In the Church of the Nazarene, we've been blessed by the ministry of, of Dr. David Busick. He's one of our general superintendents. Uh, you were probably there before he was a general superintendent. He preached a message at our, our district pastor's gathering uh, of grace and peace. He noted all of the times, every time Paul starts a letter in the New Testament, except for once, uh, he sends grace and peace uh, right at the beginning grace and peace. And Dr. Busick has really helpfully framed grace and peace for us. Uh, grace is, is when God treats you better than you deserve. Grace is when God, and so uh, Paul says, may God treat you better than you deserve. And then peace, peace isn't just an absence of conflict, peace is a making whole. Like when, when God talks about peace, that Old Testament Hebrew word shalom, that kind of peace is, is wholeness peace. That is taking the broken pieces of your world and making something beautiful out of them. And so when, when Paul says over and over, and, and Dr. Busick has so beautifully, beautifully framed it, when, when uh, Paul says grace and peace, he's saying, may God treat you better than you deserve. And may God take the broken pieces of your world and make something beautiful out of them. He adds mercy to Timothy and I'm not as eloquent as, as Dr. Busick, but the way I understand mercy is, is may, may you escape the consequences of your bad choices. <laughs> may you not get what you deserve. Um, yeah, may God withhold. Yeah. Uh, showing his mercy, what you deserve. Yeah, yeah, may you be spared. And so I put all this together and I begin to think, you know, Paul, Paul wasn't tying up a heavy burden on Timothy. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't saying, here's my legacy, be careful with it. Paul, Paul was saying, look, Timothy, I've been blessed, man. I've been blessed. And my greatest desire for you is that, is that you would know some of the blessing that God has given me. I look at that uh, true son, the Ganesios, and I, in, in light of how you're saying it, I, I see Paul telling Timothy, these are the next steps of your journey. This is or, so, somewhat of our, ordained by God. Uh, you're my son. You're following my footsteps. Uh, and authority is given to him. Mm -hmm. uh, not just responsibility, but authority and the ability, hey, hey, you're ready, my true son. Yeah. You're ready to receive God's blessing of grace. You're ready to receive and understand what mercy is. Hmm. You're ready to extend peace to people. Yeah, yeah. As I, as I read Paul's writings, I, that just kind of fits with who he is, you know, over and over again saying, it's not me, it's not me. I don't need credit. For, for anything, because God is the one who, who has seen fit to use me 
And, and then he, he gives these words of grace, mercy, and peace to Timothy. May you experience just a portion of the blessing that I've received. You know, Jesus did basically the same thing. On the, on the night before he was crucified, he prays for the disciples. And it's found in, in John chapter 17. I'm just going to paraphrase. He, he prays. <laughs> Jesus does this incredible thing. He, he prays for not only those who are in the room with him, but he prays for everybody who will believe because of their message. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you in this moment. Jesus prays, God, thank you that you and I are one. God, God and Jesus are one. Thank you. May these who follow me be one. May they be one with each other and one with us. Jesus wanted us to experience just a piece of the blessing that he had experienced when he was able to say, I don't do anything on my own, but I do only what I see my fathers in heaven do. Jesus wanted us to experience just a portion of the blessing that it is to be in total unity with God. He prayed that for you. He prayed that for you, that you would know the blessing of being in total unity with God. When I think about the, the people who have, have left their fingerprints on my life, the people who, who are speaking into me, I, I see people who, who have experienced God's goodness to them and who have said, man, I would love for Paul to experience just a little bit of that. Um, they, they wanted me to, to know God's goodness. It, you know, it's, it's natural to want people to follow in our footsteps. Um, but when, when I think about the people that might follow me, I, it, it'd be great if the next pastor of First Naz was, was in here right now and, and you know, cemented my legacy. <laughs> Could be. Could be. But man, when I think about, about the flock that is First Naz, when I think about where each and every one of you are in, in the course of the week, when I, when I think about how, how God might, might work in you, I, I don't really care. I, it'd be great if if the next pastor of First Naz was, was here today uh, receiving this message, but, but what I would really love, what, what would fill my heart to overflowing is if you, you knew a portion of the ways that I can say God has been good to me. God, God has, has blessed me. I feel like I've, I've drank it from a fire hose. He's been so good to me. And, and if I can communicate anything on a Sunday morning, it would be, may you experience a portion of the grace and mercy and peace that God has given to me. Well, today, today might be a, a day to consider uh, those who, who have led you on the way, those who have gone before you, might be a day to 
make a phone call or send a text or send a card. Might be a day to think about those who, who have been so blessed before you that they, they needed you to taste it too. And as you have challenged us to comment on social media yeah. or with just each other to, to, to call up someone, um, I just want to encourage you to consider those who have spoken words to you, but those who've modeled. Yeah. And maybe they've just been quiet. I said earlier, my dad, uh, it took me a long time to realize my dad was one of my greatest mentors because my dad's a very quiet guy, um, very introverted, uh, very unlike me. Uh, and most of my life, my young life, uh, my dad didn't become a Christian until I was almost 10 years old, eight to 10 years old. And uh, from the point that he became a Christian on, uh, most of it was pretty private for him. But there were moments, you know, I would get up, I had a paper out during all of junior high and, and into high school, so uh, delivering papers at 4.30 in the morning, and I would get up about 4 a.m., and there'd be my dad sitting in the living room praying. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother him, you know, I would just uh, head out on my way, and I'd come back, and he'd still be there praying. And a lot of times he was praying for me, and my sister, and my brother. Um, one of the early things he did that has impacted me, uh, when he first became a Christian, the pastor of the church we were attending said, uh, I have a challenge for his preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. I have a challenge, and I want to extend this challenge to anybody in the church. If you just memorize the Sermon on the Mount, it's Matthew 5, chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's three chapters. That's a lot of memorization. Uh, if you memorize this, I'll buy you a steak dinner wherever you want. But, you know, the most important thing is just sealing the Word of God in your heart. And these are some important words from Jesus. And my dad was the only person in the church who did it. And I got to sit in his study with him and hold the Bible as a young kid and have him recite word to me and me to be able to correct him or say, no, it says this. But these things on the journey that were never pointed at me, modeled to me, a faith that has now stuck with me, um, a legacy of prayer, uh, of just quiet prayer by myself. Uh, sitting on the deck. So as you think about those people who mentor you, maybe it is somebody who has just spoken and journeyed and been with you the whole way. Maybe it was the quiet. Yeah. Maybe it was somebody who just modeled and, and you were just part of their life. Uh, they can come in all shapes and sizes. But I would, I would do the same challenge. You know, now is no better time than the present to call them up and say thank you. Mm -hmm. You've impacted my life yeah. for the better and it's going to carry on. Yeah. Yeah, today might also be the be a day to just be looking around and, and seeing who's who's around you that if you were to write to my true son, to my true daughter. Who who would would you want to experience just a, even a portion of the blessing that God has given you? What what would that look like? What would it look like to to share just, just a portion of the blessing that you've received with, with someone. We're going to be continuing that, that conversation. We're going to be talking a lot about that through, through the rest of 1 Timothy. Um, keep me focused, okay? So I don't get, you know, Greek verbs. Right. There's so much there There's sometimes. So keep me focused. This is a this is a group of people 
oh man, there, there are so many here who have touched so many lives and, and there are so many here uh, who have more lives yet to touch uh, and, and more legacy left, left to leave uh, on this side. So why don't you stand and let me pray for you. There's one more group of people here that, that maybe, uh, maybe you're not quite sure about all this faith stuff. Um, you hear me say, man, I've drank God's goodness from a fire hose, and you're like, where's mine? Um, it, it begins, can I just say how, it, how it's begun for me? It's begun for me by just saying, God, I want more of you in my life. I want you. I I've tried hard on my own, but God, I, I need you in my life. And, and just opening, opening up to, to letting the Lord speak to you as you pray, as, as you go about your life, um, that's what the Christian life is. It's, it's just being open to, to God speaking into us. And it's about forgiveness. It's about God, you know, picking us up and turning us around and setting our feet on solid ground, as we say, but but really, it's pretty simple. It's, it's God, here am I. And, and I, want, I want more of you. And so there might be some this morning who are just ready for maybe the first time or maybe, maybe the 10th time, but this time you really mean it, you know, to, to say, here I am, God. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this incredible, incredible group of folks. Um, people who you are calling to yourself, people who, who are, are listening for you, who want to know, they want to know what you have for them next. Uh, each of us who, who have folks on our, on our list of those who, who have invested in us, we say thank you. Thank you for, for the way that you have used your servants uh, in your church to make us better people and better followers of you. And we thank you specifically for, for some of those folks, Lord. We are blessed. We are blessed when we have, when we have names of people we can, can remember who have invested in us. We thank you. We pray now, Lord, that uh, you would Help us to be attentive as we go into our, into our daily lives. Help us, Lord, to see the, the people around us, how you are calling us to, to share your goodness, <laughs> uh, to, just, to just look at others as, as uh, you see them, as folks who are worthy of, of your goodness. And, and may we be messengers and conduits of, of your blessing. Uh, may, may we invest our lives well and our time well. So, you know, God, we, we love the idea of legacy, but it's kind of all, all garbage when we think about the greatness of knowing you. And, and so, God, as we, as we think about our our legacy, may, may our legacy be just, just a simple, simple restatement of the truth that God's been good to me 
Thank you, God. Thank you. And, uh, and may others experience your goodness as a result of our lives. There are some here today, I would guess, who are ready to start down the road to experience your goodness in new ways. And Lord, I, I pray that you would give them uh, the ability to, to just press into you. All that we have is a gift from your hand. And so even our faith is a gift from you. And we ask God for more faith now so that we can follow you better. And I pray for, for those who, who are considering and who don't know where they stand with you, Lord, that you would just give them the grace today, the, treat them better than they deserve today so that they can, can continue to press after you and follow you. Thank you, Lord. We all need that. So we pray for your grace, your mercy, and your peace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you receive this benediction before you go? To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. To him be all glory and honor and power and authority. And may you allow him to empower you to be a conduit of his grace and his mercy and his peace as you go. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.